Welcome everyone to Downtown Harbor Church. My name's Adam. I'm the lead communicator around here. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there who are with us. And um, you're going to be in some way, shape, or form on this day either celebrating or reflecting, I'm sure, in your own life because you've been impacted by a dad. Even if your dad wasn't around or isn't around anymore, he wasn't in your life, you've been impacted by this day in some way. So it's important for us at Downtown Harbor Church to pause and to say Happy Father's Day to all of the dads in the room and to give all of us a chance to reflect. And I just got to kind of set the stage and warn you, today is an emotional day. It's not an extremely deep day, but there's just a lot of feeling that came to the service and our or come, came to the surface during our first service today. And it was one of those days that I just don't want to forget anytime soon because it's really powerful and really emotional because we're not just talking about fathers today, even though that's who we celebrate. We don't want to just spend time talking about dads, even though that's why we celebrate today. We want to do so much more. We want to take this, and as DHC always does, we want to talk about family, and we want to talk furthermore a little bit about parenting and what that looks like in your own life. And I want to kind of weave and intermingle my way through that in a complicated way today. So just kind of get ready and get your shoes on, because the day is just filled with emotion, which is so cool. Now, if you're like me, and, uh, you, you know, if you think of your dad on uh, this day and, and you kind of think about him and aren't dads just weird, right, in some way? They're just like, everybody's got a weird dad. Like, you look at your dad and you're like, my dad's like, and in some way he's just a little strange. And I'm just like, even though I love him and he's a great guy, like, when we were growing up, he would always, like, have sayings that were just, like, really weird. And, like, I, I would, like, wonder, like, why does my dad say that? Why does he do that? Like, when I was a kid and I didn't want to go along with something, he would always say to me, hey, you live in this home, right? I was like, yes, I do, sir. And he goes, well, you can do two things. You can like it or you can lump it. And I said, what does that mean? What, Dad, what do, how, walk me through that. How does that make any sense? What does that mean? And if you think about your own dad on this day and age, he probably, even if he's not with us anymore, he probably had some of those, those like, kind of like weird, funky quirks, right? But why we want to stop and talk about parenting and family today is because this is, and at the end of the day, don't miss this, this is interwoven to everything we do at Downtown Harbor Church is family. Whether you've been around with us since we launched the church about nine months ago or whether today's your very first time, you're going to see, if you're with us for any length of time, us talk about family and relationships probably more than anything around here because we think that it's so, so important. So today's message, just so you know, is kind of interwoven into every single thing we do at Downtown Harbor Church. It's going to help you understand a little bit of why we do what we do and how we do what we do. This is so important to kind of understand what family means means to DHC. Because at the end of the day, if some of you know me, or maybe you don't know me, I'll just kind of let level the playing field, I don't have kids yet. And so here's the question. Why would a guy who doesn't have any kids yet other than a dog, what, you know, I think that counts in some of our lives, right, be up here talking about parenting? Isn't that like, you know, your relatives at Thanksgiving who, you know, like to consume a little bit more than they should, maybe telling you how to lose weight, right? You ever have that at Thanksgiving when they're like, hey, by the way, I really give you some advice on how to trim down. You've had that before, right? Or maybe someone who is, you know, giving you financial advice and like, here's what you need to do to get out of debt. Excuse me, haven't you filed bankruptcy twice? Like, that's some of the things that I think when people are giving me advice. But about parenting, let me just tell you a little bit about my personal history. So for 15 years, I spent all of my time working with kids in churches. 
And then I started working with an organization in Atlanta called Orange that helps study psychological development about kids. And what they do is they figure out how families work and how to partner with the family and kids. And so we have spent 15 years kind of meeting with leaders and thinkers and authors and writers, unpacking the kind of cognitive development of kids and how it relates to parents and the stages of their life. And because I've spent 15 years with children and learning about children, that's why I don't have any yet, okay? So that's just... Really, I've spent a long time doing this. So here's one of the things that I think is true about everybody in the room. And maybe there's a very small percentage that this is not true for, but it's pretty much true about everybody. More than likely, more than likely, every single person in this room and every single person at the first service and every single person in the museum, more than likely, you are a parent or you will be a parent. More than likely, you are a parent currently, or there's going to come a point in time in your life when you are a parent. It's important for us to understand that. That's so key for us to understand because if we're sitting here today and you might be somebody who's single or doesn't have kids yet, and you're going, how does this apply to me today? This applies to every single person in this room. Maybe you have nieces and nephews. Maybe you're a parent whose kids are already grown and you're about to enter the grandparent stage or you've already entered the grandparent stage. Or maybe you're about to get married or maybe you just got married and this is so new to you. Or maybe you have signed up to work with kids here at our church or you've worked with kids previously or you work with kids in your community. This is so important for all of us to understand. Furthermore, it's important for us to understand about the influence that we have. Influence is so important in the life of a kid. And here's a statement I want to make. And this is a statement that's so true and so powerful. Check this out. You have a limited amount of time to influence your children. I want to tell you about one thing. And this one thing that I want you to think about, and this one thing that I want you to ponder about, and this one thing that I want you to kind of chew on for just a little bit, don't miss this. This one thing is the only thing in life that you can't get back. You can run out of money and you can make more. You could get evicted from a house or your house foreclosed on and you can get another one. But this one thing that I'm gonna tell you about, this one thing that is so key and so impactful to your life, it's the only single thing that you cannot get more of. The one thing that is leaving us every single day and it is the key to every single one of our lives and how we understand this. This one thing, if we understand how important this one thing is, let me tell you something, everything is different. This one thing is time. Time is the only thing that we can't get more of. Time is the only thing that's running out. Time is the only thing that at the end of our lives we cannot get more of, no matter how hard we try. So let me give you a number that I think is absolutely staggering, and I think has the ability to change the way we view kids and Hopefully they view us as this. I'll put it up on the screen. It's 936. 936 weeks. So from the time a child is born to the time a child graduates high school, we have 936 weeks of influence in that child's life. Because we think at the end of the day, 
when a kid kind of has that line that they cross and they graduate high school, they're now in the real world. They're now out there and they're going to maybe go off to college or maybe go into the workforce and they're going to have to fend for themselves. Even if they stay in your home, it's going to be a different story. 936 weeks is all the time that we have to influence the lives of kids and teenagers. So one of the things that I like to do around here at Downtown Harbor Church is to bring props, much to the chagrin of the guy in the back of the room who runs the money, John. It doesn't matter. I'm going to continue to bring props, okay? So I decided to bring today a jar of marbles to represent something. This jar of marbles is something that when we understand its significance, might end up in every single one of our homes when you understand what this means. Because in this jar, I counted them, there are 936 marbles. And so what we say to a family when they have a new child is this. Here's what we want you to do. Go buy yourself a vase. They're cheap. Go to Home Goods, okay? And then go buy yourself some marbles and put 936 of them in here. And then every single Sunday, every week that passes, here's what we want you to do. We want you to take one out. Because we believe this represents time. And we believe this jar of marbles is a visualization for how long a child has left in your home. 936 weeks. It's short, so don't miss it. And what happens in your home when you see this thing go down is powerful and impactful and it actually changes day-to-day -day living. It's emotional, it's meaningful, and you are kind of welled up with this idea of looking at the time you have left. But I didn't come up with this. Moses, in the ancient scripture, told us in Psalm 90.12, this is what he said, this is so cool. He said, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So Caitlin, who's downstairs working with preschoolers right now, if you've ever seen her, you probably might, you might know who she is. That's my wife. Um, we have a goddaughter in California. Her name is Vanessa. Our dear friends lived out there for the past 10 or 11 years, and they finally... Um, after being married for a number of years, had this little girl, Vanessa, and they called us up and asked us to be her godparents. And we said yes. And I don't know if you're a godparent, um, but I take that responsibility seriously. I said, so if you die, is this child mine? They're like, no, this is just like a you know, meaningful thing. I said, okay, great. I was like, you know, that'll be good. Okay, but so what we did, we went out there and we gave them a jar of marbles and a plaque, not a little plaque, but one of those things that you buy. We had it created on Etsy. It says this verse. And so what they did, because they were very emotional when we presented it to them, as most people would be if they have a newborn, what they did was they took that jar of marbles and they put it in their mountain home outside of Los Angeles. They have a home that they go to to kind of escape city living in L.A. If you've ever been to L.A., you get why, right? And so they have this mountain house, and Caitlin and I go and visit once a year. We only get to see the jar of marbles once a year. We usually go on Memorial Day weekend. And so we went out there this year, and Vanessa, our goddaughter, just turned two, and the marbles were already down. And her dad marked on it with a permanent marker the moment when we gave it to him. And I said, wow, look how much time has already gone, and look how much time we actually have left. Here's something I believe. 
When you have this visualization of marbles, when you have this visualization in your house of time, when you have this visualization in your house, here's a couple of things that you do. You look at what time is left, and when you see the time you have left, you tend to value the time you have now. When you see the time you have left, you tend to make those moments that matter, matter more, like today. But here's the truth about marbles and about the time we have left and about what we visually see. We need to understand more about where our kids are at in each phase of their life so that we can help them be the best parents that we can be, the best volunteers that we can be, the best aunts that we can be, the best uncles that we can be, the best grandparents that we can be. That's why it's so important for us to understand how much this means and to not miss any of those very special opportunities. So, we want to understand a couple of things about this if we're understanding where our kids are at and we're understanding where they are as they come into our church and into our home and into our lives. Here's one of the things that we want you to know. Parents, so important, parents can't do this alone. That's why the church exists as a partner. Parenting, we've heard over the course of time, is so hard and so difficult. And if you're a seasoned parent, or if you're a veteran parent, or if you're just a brand new parent, you know this. You know that this is hard. This is something like, I, I have this new creation, and I'm supposed to do what with it? And it is here, and like crying and spitting up all the, and what do I do? And for so often, let me just kind of tell you what has happened in the church. The church has been looked at as just a drop-off service for parents. Here's what people have said. Parents come in with their kids and they go, here, go ahead, you take my kid, you tell them about God and Jesus and spiritual things and how to live and how to make wise decisions and how to trust God no matter what. You go ahead and do that. I'll take the parenting thing. And then the church has said, hey, listen, you go ahead and take the kid and figure out the parenting thing and we'll take you know, the God thing. We got this. Let's not include you in this because we know more about this than you do and all that. Kind of. And so we've said, what would happen? If we, specifically at Downtown Harbor Church, this is part of our strategy, wove those two units together, the family and the church. What would happen if parents partnered with the church? What would happen if we partnered together rather than it looking like just a drop-off service? What if, what if the church was a place where we talked about family a lot, like we're doing what if the church was a place where we kind of helped dissect these difficult issues that people never used to talk about? What if that happened? What if the family actually looked at the church as a place where they could go and get help, not just about God, even though that is a huge part of it, but how to live better here and now as a family here and now? What if those two entities partnered together? Furthermore, what would happen if parents helped take responsibility for their kids' own spiritual upbringing, meaning going further than just asking this question. In fact, don't ask this question. It's a bad question. Not good question. I've told parents this my entire life. Never ask the question to your child, what did you learn about at church today? That is a very bad question. Let me tell you why. I mean, my experience. You get one of three answers. God, okay, Jesus, or nothing, okay? And I've, I've been there my entire life, and let me tell you something. I'm not on, like, when I was working with kids, like, I was not on meds for the answer to be nothing, right? Like, I was, like, not sleeping for the answer to be nothing. We work really hard. So, downstairs, if you're a parent, you have kids down there. 
No, there are resources for you. If they're not given to you, ask them. But there are resources that outline for your kids. Hey, what did you learn about today? This is what we learned about. So when you get in the car or you go home, here's what you can ask. Ask a leading question rather than asking the question, what did you learn about at church today? Hey, in preschool, aren't we learning about creation? What day are you on today? Tell me about it. Your answer will be much different than if you ask, what did you learn about at church? And elementary, as we're talking about faith this month, ask a leading question about faith and how that was applied to their life today. And furthermore, we as a church want to never, ever look at this as just a drop-off service. We want to help you all understand what it means to be family, what it means to represent this time. So I did this in the first service, and it's powerful. But there is a, an app called the Legacy Countdown app. And you can actually go ahead and you will see this on our Facebook page later today. But you can actually download this app and you can see in every one of your child's life how much time is left until they graduate. So I asked one of my buddies, Jeremy, he's in the service, one of his daughters, his name's Sophia. Jeremy, what's Sophia's birthday? 9-20-05. So until... Sophia graduates high school. She has 357 weeks left. Way less than half of this jar. And you can do that online and you can see every one of your kids and how much time they have left. That'll be on our Facebook page this week. We'll post a link to it if you can't find it now. So what does that mean for us if we look at our time? What does that mean? What do we do? How do we manage that? What does that look like in our lives? I think it's so important for, for us to understand that if we are going to look at the time we have left, we need to understand something about our families. We need to understand something about our kids. And those of us who don't have kids understand this about the kids you interact with and deal with, your nieces, nephews, grandchildren. Here's what you need to know about every stage of a child's life. We like to call them phases. We like to say it's just a phase. Because it's just a phase, we want to say one more thing about it. So don't miss it. Don't miss out on the cool things that are happening in the phase that the kids that you have or you interact with are in. Because every phase is not as equally important as every other phase, yet every phase is as important as every other phase. Don't kind of think, man, I can't wait to get through the infant stage to get to the preschool phase. Don't miss it. Don't think, man, if they could only get to the elementary age phase and I'd be fine. Don't miss it. And at our church, we don't want to miss phases for a very specific reason. We want to understand cognitively and emotionally all that we can about kids for a very specific reason. We don't want to miss something about kids so they don't miss something about God. We don't want to miss something about kids. Don't miss this. It's so important. I'm going to say it again. So they don't miss something about God. Because we believe their minds are developing. And at every phase, there's a different level of understanding. And there's a different level of engagement. And so we don't want to miss anything about them so they don't miss something about God. And here's the truth about a lot of people at Downtown Harbor Church. There are people getting married. There are people having babies. There are people like all over the spectrum here of where they're at in this. But the truth remains. We want our kids to know their creator to the best of their ability. So we don't want to miss anything about them. So, as we kind of move through this message in the phases, I'm going to give you four words. One for each phase. If you're a parent, this can be applied at home. If you are someone who is, uh, has children, this can be applied today. If you are interacting with children throughout this weekend, throughout your week, this can be applied at any moment. And if you are a parent whose kids are gone, this can be applied to your grandparents or any kid 
that you interact with. So the first phase is this. It's preschool. Have you ever interacted with a preschooler, right? Boy. Like, okay, so, like, I mean, what a lively bunch, right? So, like, here, let me tell you a quick story about preschoolers. So, like, when I worked with kids, they didn't let me work with preschoolers. And I was like, well, why? I was like, I would be great with preschoolers. And they're like, well, you would probably like to hype them up and give them sugar, and that's not what we wish to send them home with. So they didn't let me work with preschoolers. But there was this one time somebody called in sick or had a flat tire, a volunteer couldn't tell the Bible story with this group of preschoolers. And I was like, oh, yeah. I got the on-call call, I'm going into the room, right? They called me the night before, here I go. And it's the story of David and Goliath, which is a really exciting story with 40 preschoolers. And I'm going, lives are about to be changed, right? Three-year-olds are about to like make decisions in their life and come out of that room like changed forever. So here I go into the room and there are 40 preschoolers sitting there, three-year-olds just staring like right at me, and I'm like, oh gosh. Like, and I don't know why children stare at me, but like, my, they do it all the time. Like, when we're in like theme bar, we go to Disney or whatever, my wife is just walking with me, and she's like, every child is staring at you, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know, but they just stare at me. It's weird, but anyway, so like here I am about ready to tell the story of David and Goliath, and this is a really cool story. So I set it all up, and here are the preschoolers, and I'm about to get to the end, right? And there is this one preschooler in the middle. He's a little boy, three years old, and he cannot help but put his hand up, like, and it's shaking, right? And you know this, if you've worked or have a preschooler or work, it's just shaking, right? And he's going, mm, 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 I, gotta, I gotta talk, gotta talk, gotta talk. And I said, hold on, buddy, just one second. And in my mind, I'm going, Adam, stop the story. This kid is about to make a commitment of faith in this moment. Like, this kid is about to, like, do things. You're like, God is working in his life right now. Stop this story and let this kid talk. But I'm like, nope, I'm going forward. So sure enough, I said, put your hand on, buddy. I'll be right with you. So we go through the story, and I'm right at the end where David is about to, like, kill Goliath with, like, the stone, and, he, and, and the kid's hand goes up again. And he's like, mm, and it can't stop. And now he's starting to make noise. Mm, like, he's starting to do that. And I, so like, and then I go, okay, buddy, I'll be right with you. So David throws the stone and kills Goliath, and I make the ending of the story, and I said, okay, buddy, what do you got? And he paused, and he goes, my dog's name is Stan. <laughs> said, excuse me? And he said, I just wanted to tell you about my dog. His name was Stan. I said, okay. That was when I stopped telling Bible stories with preschoolers at that moment because I knew that, think, but here's, here's the point. That's funny, but this is why. The kid could have given a rip about what I was talking about. He could have cared less, even though the story was cool and hopefully impactful. He could not have cared. Why? Because he cares about his dog. That's his whole world. That's all he does. Here's your word for preschoolers as you think about their phases. Embrace. All he wanted me to do in that moment was embrace that he had a dog and that he wanted to tell me about him. And the preschoolers that you know in your life, here's what they need. They just need embrace. They need to know that they're loved. They need to need know that they're cared for. They need to know that they're appreciated and that you at least at some level care that his dog is not dead, right? So embrace. Embrace with a physical touch, with a hug. Those are what those kids need. Embrace with nurturing and soft words. Those are what those kids need. They are developing their first opinions of God based on who they see in people. Embrace. The elementary phase is next, and it's just as interesting because if you have elementary age kids, you know this, and I don't need to tell you anything that you don't know, but we kind of put it into a word, and the word is this. It's engage, right? Elementary age kids need people who are going to engage with them. 
They need people to like what they like. They need people who are interested in what they're interested in. And don't get me wrong, this is hard. This is not easy because I was a small group leader for kindergarten and first grade boys when I started out working in the church. And I got to tell you, do you want to know why I stopped? Because I couldn't engage. Like they would come in and tell me about Pokemon and I was done. Like I did not care. And here's, so like here's the deal. You got to engage with these kids right where they're at in your home at church. You got to engage with them because they have interests that they like and they want to tell you about. And yes, it might be brutal, but they need to know they matter. They're developing self-worth based on what your re reaction is to their thing. Self-worth. Engagement. Boy, the old silver tune is middle school, isn't it? Middle school? Anybody have? Middle schoolers, you know this, right? Middle school is that interesting time in a kid's life, a teenager's life, when everything's changing. Oh, boy. And they're like starting to like become who they are and develop their you know, more self-worth and interest and engage with other people. And you're just like, what in the world am I doing? Like, I have no... And, I, and if you, you understand this because you were glad when you were out of this phase, right? And as adults, you're like, could I ever go back to being a middle schooler? We're like, I mean, what? This is brutal, right? But we have a responsibility to kids and teenagers to help them through these things. So the word I want to give you for, mi for middle schoolers is this. It's affirm. It's affirm them right where, they at, right where they're at. It's affirm them so that they can understand as they're becoming who they are that it's okay for them to become who they are. Their likes, their interest. They might not be good at everything, but that's okay. Affirm them. And I have to tell you, last but not least, it's this, and I could spend weeks on this. I am breezing through this so fast. High school. High school. Such an interesting time in a kid's life where you know what the church has said historically? Here's what the church has said to high schoolers. They said, come into a room with people your own age, and here's what's going to happen. A guy, the youth pastor, is going to stand up on stage and give you a message. We're going to teach from the scripture. We want to give you a message, and it's going to be deep. And don't make this decision, and don't make this decision, and don't do this. And if you do those things, you're going to leave the church, and you're going to go want to be a part of one in the future, and you're going to be beefed up and awesome. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But here's what that has done. That has made people related to the Jesus movement and the movement of the church, spectators. It has made them nothing but spectators and participating in a spectator sport. The Jesus movement, the local church, this love your neighbor as yourself movement is not a spectator, spectator sport. Because you know what high schoolers who have that mentality do when they go away to college and they go try to find a new church and they sit and the message isn't good enough for them? They go, well, it's about me and the message isn't hitting me anymore, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go leave and I'm going to go find some other place. Created spectators in Christianity, in the Jesus movement. So we have a word for high schoolers that we are so passionate about here at DHC, and it's this, it's mobilize. It's mobilize their faith. Their faith, your faith, my faith is not in this room, it is outside these walls. This is just a place where we come. And we've taught people that the only place that they can have faith is right here, right now. You can only love your neighbor as yourself in here, as Jesus commanded us to do. So what we say to high schoolers is we want you to mobilize your faith by serving others, by engaging. Sign up to volunteer. Be a part of our community. Go out there and serve others because this is not about you. How in the world do we expect high schoolers to go and leave us when they go off to college and be the church if we never give them an opportunity to be the church when they're with us? 
That's why we tell people all the time, high schoolers and middle schoolers around here, it's not about the message, it's not about this room, this is about what you do downstairs as people are coming in. It's about loading in and loading out the trailer and giving back to your community. Mobilize their faith and this world will be changed. I've seen it happen one by one by one. Powerful stuff. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for you? What do you go away with here? There's some verses in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. And Deuteronomy is an old book. It goes way, way back in time. But there are some things there that I believe can be applied to family, even today. And here's what it says. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And if you remember when Jesus, thousands of years later, took that verse and he said, and then love your neighbor as yourself. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates a lot of times when things don't go well in our homes we think that we've lost our influence or when things get rough or children act out or I'm just an aunt or I'm just an uncle or they don't listen to me, they don't see me very often, we think that we don't have influence. Your influence in the life of a kid matters more than you ever thought that it mattered. And I want to tell you this, as we celebrate Father's Day today, and even if your dad isn't around or hasn't been around for a long time, the influence that that has had in your life affects you. It does. And here's what I want you to know. No one, take this seriously, no one has more influence in the life of a kid than a parent. No one. We all have influence. But no one has more influence in the life of a kid than a parent. So today, as this just wells up all kinds of stuff in every one of us, it wells up all kinds of stuff in me. And I think about this statement because I, I looked at it this week, and I was just thinking about this, and I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, this is so, so true. No one has influenced my life more than my parents have. And I'm not even saying it was all good, but it's just influence. Here's what you need to do as you leave from here. Understand how much influence you have. Understand that time is running out. Understand that moments matter. And when you visually see how much they matter, you tend to make them matter more. And when you see how much time you have left, you tend to value the time you have now. Because Moses said in Psalm 90:12, teach us to number our days so it will give us a heart of wisdom. What if we just all did that? Would our families be different? Would they be better? Would we influence our kids more? I think that's what God has for every one of us so we can have the best family that we can ever have. Let me pray. Dear God, as we just kind of celebrate today and talk about influence, we're thankful for you that you first gave us all of this that I talked about today. 
And God, I just pray that you would bless us. I pray that you would guide us and help us to process this today and what it means. And that we would think about our kids who are in our lives, not only just our children that are biological, but our children who are in our lives, whether they're nieces or nephews or grandchildren or distant relatives, whatever it is, we have influence. Help us to not miss that. Help us to figure out what it means to understand phases to lean into the phase of our kids and to do that to the best of our ability. Because at the end of it, no one has more influence in the life of a kid than a parent. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.